We continue in a series from Romans chapter 12. We've begun at verse 1. We'll conclude at verse 13. The specific reading for today is verses 6 through 8, but I'm going to begin with last week's reading from verse 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5, and include that. So Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let us pray together. This indeed is your world, O God, and you have gifted us with the gift of life, and we are grateful. The prayer shawls on the altar table remind us of the gift of new life, the forgiveness that we experience as we bring our sins and our lives to you in this place reminds us of your greatest gift of life in Christ. And in these these lives you have given us, you have poured into each of us gifts and talents and abilities, and you have given us spiritual gifts that are signs of your great grace and love for us. For out of your love for us, you desire to include us in your work. Forgive us when we fail to accept the invitation. Help us to embrace the role, the functions that you have for us in your kingdom and to use the gifts that you have given to us to fulfill those roles. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was the 13th player on a 13-player roster when I played basketball at Wofford College. My seat was the last seat on the bench. I liked that seat. I was right next to the water cooler. There was a picture in our yearbook of the bench standing and cheering during the game, and I was not in the picture. The camera angle wasn't wide enough to include me. I was on the team as a full-fledged member for two years, my junior and senior year. I'll never forget, first game, junior year, first game wearing the uniform. I knew I wasn't going to play, and I wasn't disappointed. And yet I was so excited. And so during that game, I had so much energy. I was on my feet almost the entire time. I was cheering my teammates. I was calling them out by name. I was urging them on. Uh, I was clapping. I was exhausted by the end of that game. And we won. And after the game, we were in the locker room and we were loud and we were excited and we were having a great time and our coach came in and he joined in the fun. And then after a little while, he quieted us down and he began his post-game talk. And, and he said, the most valuable player for this game is, and he said my name. 
And I had not played one second. At no point in the game was I more than an arm's length away from the water cooler. (laughs) But the coach wanted to raise up the value of enthusiasm and encouragement and of cheering on our team. And he saw me doing that. And he wanted to acknowledge it and reward it. So I ended up playing in 21 games over two years, scored 21 points for an average, a whopping average of one point per game. (laughs) Scoring was not my role. My role on the team was to be the encourager. It was to always have that positive energy and to cheer on my teammates. And I embraced the role and I did it well. On every team, in every organization, any institution, in every church, there are countless roles that need to be filled. There are countless tasks that must be accomplished in order for the team or the institution or the organization or the church to accomplish its goals, to achieve its mission. And every member of the organization and every person in the church has a role, has a function that is incredibly valuable. Some of those roles are up front and people see them. Some of those roles are behind the scenes and are not noticed very often. But all of those roles are essential to the life of the church. And so Paul in verse 4 uses the word function. He says that we who are all members of one body have different functions. We have different roles to play. And every one of us must embrace that function and give our all to that role in order for the health of the church, the health of the body to be strong. In order for us to be who God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. Now, I don't think we interpret this verse to mean that there is one job and one job only that has your name on it. And once you discover that job, you do it and you do it for the rest of your life. There are multiple tasks that many of us in this church have done over the years. Sometimes we've done the tasks because we've had a great energy for doing it. Sometimes we've done the tasks not because we've liked it, but because somebody had to do it. And it may as well be us, or maybe somebody asked us to do it and we couldn't say no. There are lots of tasks, lots of jobs, lots of roles that many of us have fulfilled in these walls over the decades. I don't think that verse 4 is suggesting that there's only one thing that you ever get to or have to do in the life of your church. But I do think verse 4 suggests that amongst the many things and the many roles and the many jobs and tasks that we have the privilege of doing in our church, there's one or maybe two or maybe three, but but there is a function, there is a role that when we are doing it, 
we say to ourselves, I was made for this. This is a job, this is a task, this is an opportunity to serve that meets the core of my giftedness. It hits the core of who you are, your passion, your interest, your ability to to do something and do it well that produces fruit for God's kingdom and blesses others and blesses the church in the process. If you've been in the church for a long time or or you've served in the church over any length of time, you've done a ton of things, but is there something, is there a task or maybe a few tasks or roles that quickly come to your mind where you say, yes, when I was doing that or when I'm doing this now, that's it. That's for me. It's what God made me to do. Maybe it's preparing a meal in the kitchen or preparing a meal for someone who is in need. Maybe it's serving on a commission. Maybe it's using your organizational gifts to organize us so that we can function in the ministry effectively. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's working with youth or children. Maybe it's taking care of the buildings or the buses. It could be countless things. But, but, but when you do that, you, you know this This is it. This fits who I am. This is what God gave me as a a function in the language of verse 4 in the life of the church. What is that role? What is that job? What is that function that God has given for you? What those functions are quite logically fits with who God has made us to be. We each have natural gifts that we're born with. We have skills that we develop by God's grace over time. And Paul, in several places in his letters, suggests that when we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit blesses us with unique gifts, spiritual gifts, that are designed and given to us so that God can produce great fruit through us as we use those gifts. Now, there's a, several places, 1 Corinthians 12 is the larger place where Paul talks about these gifts. There, there are multiple gifts that are listed in this passage and in those other passages. It seems to me that these lists of gifts are not exhaustive, but they are representative. Representative of all the gifts, the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives. Now, if we were looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we might enter into the discussion of whether or not there's a difference or, or what the difference is between a natural gift that you're born with or a skill that you develop or a spiritual gift that the Spirit specifically gives us. But that's not Paul's focus in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. In 6 through 8, Paul is basically saying, use your gift, figure out what it is, and use it, put it to work. If you have a gift for teaching, teach. If you have a gift for it, for ministering or, or caring, do it. If you have uh, this incredible generous heart, make sure you give generously out of all that you have with cheerfulness and, and with compassion. Put your gift to work. And so it seems to me as we're in this season of discernment or preparing to discern what God is calling us to do as a congregation in this next season of our life together, makes perfect sense for each of us not only to look to how we are growing in the faith, but to examine our skills, our natural gifts, and our spiritual gifts and to ask ourselves, are we using them in the life of the church and for God's glory? Have we found that function, that role or functions and 
those that match our gifts and are we are we putting them to work for the work of God and for our church and for God's glory so it's ski season and two weeks ago the Fifth Avenue Baptist youth were at snowshoe and Timber Creek uh, raise your hands youth if you were on that trip I had the privilege of skiing with you I had the joy of watching many of you barrel down the hill and have no idea how you were going to stop and some of you stopped gracefully and some of you didn't I will not name names but no one was hurt and a great time was had by all I am by no means an experienced skier I've done it a little bit um, and so any hill that's above the beginner level when I'm at the top of it and ready to go down I have a moment of hesitation and I ask myself am I going to be able to stop and if I'm going to be able to stop, how am I going to do it? And so eventually I just have to point those skis downhill and go. And go. And there's a bad habit that I've developed over the years uh, on the times when I have been skiing. Ski boots come up uh, halfway up to your knees and they're on very tight. And they're designed for you to lean into them so that your shins are leaning into the boot. And when you do that, you have better, greater balance and greater control as you ski. But my tendency when I start going downhill and I think I'm going to fall is not to lean forward into the boot, but to lean back into the back of the boot, which then puts me more off balance and in greater danger of falling, which most often I do. And if I'm going to grow as a skier, I've got to learn how to lean forward and trust my boot to hold me and to keep me in better balance so that I can make it down the hill without falling. And some of us in the life of the church just need to point our skis downhill and trust God and lean into the boot and use our gifts and fulfill our function in the life of the church. If you don't know what that function is, if you don't know what your gifts are, I would be absolutely thrilled to talk with you. Please see me. Let's talk and let's find, let's, let's discuss together and prayerfully find that place where there is that role that you were made for and that you've been gifted to fulfill. We'll, we'll find it. Alicia and John and Ann and any others in, in the church will be happy. Happy to have that conversation with you. Or maybe you know what the function is and you know what your gifts are and you're not, you're, for whatever reason, you're just not doing it right now. Point the skis downhill. Lean into your boots. Trust God. Get moving. And, and do what you were made to do. You will fall. You will fall. That's okay. God will pick you back up. And the church will survive if you make a mistake. It'll be okay. And through it all, as we're all using our gifts together, God's will will be done. And the kingdom will be furthered. But this passage that speaks about the functions that God has given to each of us and the gifts that we've been given to help fulfill those functions, is not just about the church. It's not just about, it's not even primarily about our work in the church. We are so connected 
through Jesus Christ that anything we do in our lives is a part of what we do in the body of Christ, our church. The relationship that we have in this room as sisters and brothers in Christ is such that every aspect of our lives as individuals and as families is connected to our church family. So that when we are serving somewhere else, even if it's not in an official fab capacity, we are still serving the same Lord, part of the same body, and doing our work for Jesus. So that in every area of our lives, we, each of us, have multiple functions, but in the midst of those multiple functions and family, at school, or at work, or in community, we can ask the same questions and make the same observations. In the midst of larger responsibilities, whatever they are, there are some elements of each of those family, work, community responsibilities where when we're doing certain things, we say to ourselves, if we're paying attention, this is what I was made to do. This is the particular aspect of my job that matches the core of my giftedness and it matches my interests. And when I am doing this, people are blessed. Our community begins to flourish. And I feel alive when I am fulfilling this particular function, doing this particular role. Does that aspect of your family life or your job or your work at school or your work and life in the community, is there anything that comes quickly to your minds where you say as a part of this element of my life when I'm doing this particular thing and when I'm using these particular gifts I know that I'm in the sweet spot of my giftedness and that God is working in great ways through me and I'm feeling fully alive I invite you as you go throughout this week as you go to whatever it is that you do whether you work at home or you work in an office or you work in a classroom or you are a student in a classroom or you live in a retirement village or most of your time is spent in a in a gym or or in a car wherever you spend your time and you have a routine pay attention to those aspects of your life that are not just things that you're doing because you're supposed to do them, but they become, in the words of verse 4, of verse four a God-given function that's matched with your God-given gifts in verses 6 through 8. And God in that moment, in that activity, is, is using you to do great things. And of course, that happens in all areas of our lives. It happens in church. Look for it in church. Look, but, but it's the whole picture. That all of us, where we're doing things that the world might consider great or that the world doesn't notice, that the church might see as great or the church might even not even notice, all of it is a part of one big tapestry of God using our gifts and abilities as we fulfill our functions to further the work of the kingdom. There was a church in an inner city housing project in Philadelphia that organized a cleanup day on a Saturday morning, invited folks from the church, folks from the neighborhood to come and just to clean up the, the grounds. Uh, and, and, and there was a little girl who was remarkably energetic as she went about her tasks. She filled up bag after bag of trash. She smiled. She encouraged others. She was she had boundless energy she never seemed to tire of picking up 
trash and more trash and making the neighborhood look good. And one of the adults was surprised and in an encouraging kind of way asked her what she was doing and she stood up straight and with a great smile she said, I'm cleaning up America. Well, she was just cleaning up a tiny part of her little neighborhood. But in the great scheme of things, her small work done with energy and love really was participating in the cleaning up of her country. And the small things that we do here at church in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our schools, wherever it is that we work. In God's hands, as we use our spiritual gifts and fulfill our functions, become a part of something much, much bigger. We're not just taking care of our family. We're not just helping our business to function well. We're not just teaching children. We are furthering the kingdom of God. And we are bringing glory to God in the process. May it be so for each of us this week and for our congregation, this body of Christ known as Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Amen.